Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Hello and welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and welcome back to the Wilson Verse. And joining me again as we dive into the Wilson Verse, he's coming to us miles above the surface of New Jersey. He can see across the whole of Collingswood and beyond. Ladies and gentlemen from Pods and Sods, Craig Smith. Hello, Sly Dog. Always a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm not nervous. I'm not Brian Lennon. Everything's good. Uh, <laughs> there'd be no better way to spend a Saturday morning. Actually, you know what? Let me say, we are in the middle of fish tour. So the only things that I would interrupt listening to last night's fish show for are speaking about Stephen Wilson, but more importantly, talking to the Sly Dog. That's I, I, I appreciate that. I didn't even re- realize that like the tour was still going on. So that's incredible. Chicago this weekend, three shows were one down. Ooh, I'm surprised. I'm kind of surprised you're not there actually now. Yeah, after uh, listening to last night's opener, I'm very bummed that I'm not. But <laughs> hey, you can't you can't be at every show. Yeah, unfortunately. But we're here today to dive back into the w- Stephen Wilson verse, as I've been calling it. And um, I, I kind of promised this back when we did our Porcupine Tree episodes that we would look at the Harmony Codex when it came out. And it's been out, like, has it, has it been two weeks now, finally, that this thing's been out? It's been two weeks, yep. Yeah, I figured this this was the time to do it. I've had it for about a week. Um, so let's uh, let's dive right in, but let's uh, kind of, let's go back a little bit first. So this is the follow-up to The Future Bites, um, which was an interesting album. Um, I feel like it's an album that kind of was, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? COVID was a big stumbling block for this thing, I think. I don't think that he really knew what to do with it. And I know there was a tour that got canceled. And I think that even may have hurt like the, uh, I don't know, the exposure of the album in a way, especially because you follow that up with like, oh, by the way, Porcupine Trees reuniting. So kind of what were your thoughts on the Future Bites? And did that kind of color any of your thoughts going into this one? Like, were you thinking like, all right, he's going to stay in more of a pop lane? Or did you think this might just be a like a one-off experiment? The... Uh... The Future Bites was a very uh, mixed album when it came to the fan base. People don't seem to love when he puts down the guitar and goes for electronics. Um, I prefer the guitar stuff, but I I did not dislike the Future Bites. I think that, having said that, I thought that the first single, Personal Shopper, was not a good choice, and and he also he he always kind of has a a penchant for leading the album with a single that is not wholly representative of the record. Like for Hand Cannot Erase, which I I think is his masterpiece, the single put out first was Perfect Life, which is like a spoken word thing that moves into like a dreamy repeated chorus, which I think is amazing, but it's, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's, you know, it's not a, a standard structure pop song. Um, when it comes to the future bites, personal shopper, I thought was m- m- for me the weakest track. So, like to to lead off with it, it didn't start on a great foot for me. But I but I I enjoyed the album. I thought the album had some really strong moments. But I do think that that album for me falls towards the bottom of the whole discography. And look, I, I he's my favorite musician. Uh, I don't think the future bites is a bad album. Me putting it at the bottom. You know, isn't me saying that it's horrific. It's me saying that I don't think it stands up there with, you know, the best stuff he's done. Um, but it it also, you know, it, it did have a double whammy in terms of, you know, presenting an, an album that was challenging 
right as you know pandemic hits which you know totally pissed away a tour that he was working on and uh so so that whole thing just kind of felt doomed and for that reason you know who who knows what the tour would have been like uh you know it, it was to go around this theme of consumerism and things like that who knows whether or not that would have worked on a stage um but uh you know it's a shame we didn't get to see it um so so going into this uh i kind of felt that we would probably get more um i shouldn't say more i probably thought that we would kind of stay in the electronics realm a bit which this does but i think uh and we'll as we go on we'll we'll kind of expand but i think it it presents those elements a lot better than the future bites did um but i'm curious to see what you thought of the future bites because i even though we've talked about this stuff i don't remember specifically us talking about that album a whole lot but i, I remember you liking it right oh i really liked it um it was like my first new release from stephen wilson right. um so i was jazzed on that thing and i even <laughs> i really liked personal shopper actually i thought that was kind of really? kind of it, it was catchy in a way like it's always fun when a nine minute song's catchy i think so I, I was really into it. I remember being really bummed uh, when the album got pushed back because I thought Personal Shopper was a great song. Um, so I remember coming out and I remember being really into it and feeling like while I was excited when the Porcupine Tree reunion got announced, I'm like, oh, this thing's going to get buried. Like, like this, yeah. like this is going to be that forgotten era of his solo catalog. Um And in a way, it might, it, it, I could, I could end up being wrong. Like there, there could be like, you know, he could, pull half this album out if he decides to tour the Harmony Codex. Um, but I, I thought it was really interesting. I liked kind of what he was doing because to me it seemed like he was kind of taking, like it's a little bit Radiohead, a little bit uh, like those, I don't want to use the term Britpop. Like I'm not really sure what what term I'm looking for. Like Blur maybe is another another band I guess you could use an example of. Um, and kind of making that I think more complex and like in, interesting in a way so i really like this album like i think uh eminent sleaze is one of my favorite things he's ever written like that song i listened to it once and it lives in my head for like about two weeks <laughs> it's so damn good yeah. one and i kind of figured uh, we'll get into the sound of the harmony codex later but i figured this was going to be a starting point in a way like i thought maybe he would stay not quite in this poppy lane but 
maybe expand upon this and try to maybe bring this into the, his world a bit more mm-hmm. instead of like because like I've, I've listened to a lot of interviews with him this week he called this his uh his like pop based like electronic album that's what he called this right yeah so yeah i i really dug it um and i just kind of got the vibe from you that at the time like we talked about a little bit that you liked it but like it's kind of like you said it was near the bottom for you like i very much got that vibe yeah like i you know there are people that just dismissed it out of hand because he was moving in an electronic direction i know enough about him as an artist to know that that's not going to turn me off and, and i you know i i'm also into a bunch of his side projects one being bass communion which is you know, basically just experimental and a lot of found sound, you know, yeah. manipulating sounds of old 78 records for an hour, you know, and right. by the time it ends, it, it's nothing like when it started. And it's just, you know, it, it, it's kind of, you know, self-indulgent stuff, but but I enjoy that, you know, I enjoy soundscapey things, even if they aren't what, you know, the general masses would consider, quote unquote, music. Um right. So, uh, yeah, I, I I go into these things with, uh, uh, I don't know if I want to say skepticism, but I but I always know that there, you know, he might take a turn that I'm, and I probably said this in the Porcupine Tree episode as well. I, I kind of expect a turn that that I'm going to be like, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if this is it. I think the Future Bites came closest to that, but not even really close, you know, in terms of like turning me off. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm into enough of his sound where I, I'm going to enjoy it. I think, you know, just just him as a songwriter. I mean, even when he's like fucking around with electronics, it's it's got his kind of um it, it's it's got his fingerprints all over it, you know, in terms of like sonics and chords and and more so production, like. Yeah, we'll get into the Harmony Codex, but these are albums that are just wonderfully produced. And if you have, uh, you know, an immersive setup, even more so, you know, uh, Future Bites was the last. I, I no longer have a 5.1 system, but I did listen to the Future Bites in 5.1 um, when I did. And that was a better listening experience for me. I think that that's an album that works much better that way. Uh, but still, you know, I, I still enjoy it. Um, but, but you know, in terms of where we were moving with this, I thought that he would kind of stay in that lane maybe a little bit, which, you know, is is kind of what he did. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I probably just rambled for, I don't know, 15 minutes and didn't answer any of your questions. But <laughs> these are the things that happen when I'm talking about Stephen Wilson. <laughs> no, I, you, def- you definitely kind of nailed it, I think. Uh, yeah, this was... This was an interesting time and place, but I feel like it got forgotten because I seem to remember even really quickly, this will be kind of our transitioning point into my next talking point is I I don't know when exactly it was, but it seemed not long after uh, the Porcupine Tree album was announced, maybe even before I saw the name, like, because I'm always looking at Wikipedia and I'm researching stuff and I'm trying to learn about these artists I like, like I saw that the next album was going to be called The Harmony Codex. And I was like, oh, that was quick. <laughs> like, yeah. we're, we're, we're like, like, I kind of thought for a while that after Porcupine Tree, like, and I was like, okay, after that Porcupine Tree tour, we're going to get like the Future Bites tour 2023 or whatever. Nope. Uh, next album. So I was like, that was really, that's a really quick turnaround. And just the title struck me right away the Harmony Codex, because it sounds so like it encapsulates music 
in a way it's like it's fun to say and like so i started to think this is going to be some kind of amalgamation of everything he's done up to this point with something new so that's kind of what i like what i remember thinking and then we move into uh, 2023 itself and i'm like all right like the porcupine tree tours well, okay can i kind of backtrack can i backtrack yeah, for yeah, just go, one second yeah, go uh, ahead. Uh, just just to throw in uh the harmony codex is the name of a short story that is included in his uh i don't autobiography it's not really that uh it, it kind of goes through his career but it's also kind of a a collection of lists and and things like that and i believe it ends with a, a short story called the harmony codex which um is uh in the new deluxe set there's uh, a story that kind of goes between the songs i assume it's the same i've not gone and i i haven't read the story again since i read the book when it first came out um i assume it's the same but if it's not then um then you can totally flame me for that but uh the the origins of the title at least i think kind of just come from that short story and that's where you know, it kind of springboards from there. Yeah, I know you read that book, and I knew there was a story um, called the Harmony Codex in that book, and I kind of figured the two were probably pretty close together in timeline. What did you think of the book, by the way? Because that's something I, I'm like, I wish I had more time to read these days, and I'm thinking about picking that up. Was was that worth a read? Yes, and I'll tell you, it's also available on Audible as an audiobook read by him. <laughs> that is a... Um, that I, I recommend. Also, there was a, a deluxe download offered um, fairly recently uh, that had a six-part Harmony Codex audio. Uh, I forget exactly what they called it. But um, from the description, it sounded to me like maybe they took the, unless he redid it again, it sounded like he they took the 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 reading of it from, from the audio version of the book, the audio book, and maybe placed it over the album or parts yeah. of the album. Uh, I've not heard it, but uh, that's kind of what I assumed uh, uh, when I heard about it. I, I definitely recommend listening to it. I, I can't remember if it goes into everything, but the book has a lot of lists. Um, it's got lists of you know his favorite vegan meals, his favorite movies. Um, you know, obviously a ton of lists about music. Uh, and for somebody like me that always enjoyed his, you know, he'd always have his like top 10, what he was listening to on his website. Um, I, I love that kind of stuff. Also, um, I, I just want to kind of throw in a plug here for something else. Go ahead. Uh, I know that we've talked about the, that massive Stephen Wilson PDF that goes through his entire discography. That's up to like a thousand pages now. Yeah. <laughs> Probably at least that many entries. Um, there, there are, um, a series of books called Footprints, and they are free with, uh, if you're in the U.S., if you give a $15 donation to a non-political charity and send them the receipt, they will give you a uh, a download for the ebook. It is, um, it's probably the, the best, and, and this is not saying anything against the, the PDF discography, which is crazy great. This is kind of like a day-by-day day goes through every gig. The first volume is all Porcupine Tree. Oh, wow. Second volume starts his solo career. It's a day-by-day. Day. Every gig, every set list, every release, every version of every release. Uh, a, a crazy index that lists 
every song and every instance of it in a way that I can appreciate as somebody that's working on that kind of thing for other artists. But also there is a section in the back that I believe it's in volume two that lists the entire history of like every top 10 list he's ever put on his website. Oh, wow. Which, you know, for, for me, you know, I, I kind of look at it and then when he replaces it, it's gone, you know, and I don't think about the old ones. So when I was like thumbing through these and they're huge, they're, they're huge. I just wish they were printed um, uh, because they're, they're so massive and it's a lot of stuff. But if that's something that's interesting, you, you really can't beat that for $15. My $15 went to doggies um, uh, twice. And so uh, I, I was able to, to get these. If you have any interest in this, even just looking through it once, it's worth the $15. <laughs> it's, it's so great. But for me, as an obsessive, um, it's the kind of thing I'm very into. So, yeah, I totally recommend at least listening to the audio book. And then, you know, if you have a chance to check out the book, uh, it's a nice way to kind of look at the the list because some of them are, are pretty massive lists. Nice. Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to look into that because that sounds incredible. And it's good for the ongoing Wilson versus exploration we're going to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you, you need a roadmap for all this shit, right? Oh, oh yeah, especially when we get to uh, when it's next year and we're going to be doing the delirium stuff. <laughs> we're really going to need some <laughs> we need some guidance there's there's a lot there are a oh lot boy. of twists and turns here oh boy uh so yeah um what was i oh yeah the the title and going into 2023 the porcupine tree tour is wrapping up i kind of figured like okay album rollout that's gonna start like i don't know six months in advance we'll get the first single and we'll get to live with that and you know probably by midpoint of the year or towards the end of the year we'll get the harmony codex and months pass, and months pass. And then about, I want to say June, July, we start hearing about these uh, these listening parties for the Harmony Codex in spatial audio. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. That is, I've never heard of like a rollout for an album like that, starting with like listening parties. Like I've heard of listening parties for the press, but for, it was for the fans as well. And I remember feeling super jealous <laughs> and really kind of frustrated that one of them like happened in LA and I didn't hear about it until after the fact. So I thought that was yeah, super, a friend of mine went to cool. one, a friend of mine went to one overseas. Um, and I signed up hoping that there might be one in New York, uh, you know, before the album came out and it was a, uh, it, they turn all of the lights out. He said it was a little bit disorienting, but the album was fantastic. And this was, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks before either of us heard it. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a shame because it's really the only way you're going to hear the album that way. Not everybody has an Atmos system that's like, I don't know, 7.3.1 or whatever it is. Um, I don't, I don't really, I don't get into all that because I, it's something I'll never have. Uh, so 5.1 is, is, you know, where I have to draw the line financially, <laughs> But, um, you know, and, and for anybody that doesn't know, the dot dot, uh, there are also speakers above you, which I believe is the second number in that dot dot dot. Um, so you're surrounded by speakers, you have speakers uh, atop, and that's what the whole Dolby Atmos thing does. I, I know that there, you can stream it that way, I believe on Apple Music. I, I don't know how that, how it works in streaming format, uh, but yeah. You know the deluxe version, and you can buy this album on Blu-ray, and it's got that if your system is, uh, you know, uh, fitted for that. 
um, which I assume is is a, a stellar listening experience, as would, you know, he, he's remixed back catalogs for a bunch of, you know, 70s artists and, you know, has done this treatment to some of them. And I, I've, I've never heard anything but like praise about all of them. So um, it, it's something I wish that I could listen to, especially this album. But um, yeah, anybody that was lucky enough to see one of those, I, I, I wish that I would have been able to hear the album that way. Me too. Um, I kind of hope that maybe he does a few more of those. And I, I yeah. could see him doing that because, like I said, I spent a lot of time watching interviews this week. He is really jazzed about, um, I forgot the name, or the, this Dolby Atmos thing. He's really jazzed about that sound. And he's hoping it's kind of like the future of like home, you know, stereo systems. Like he seems really into into it. So I'm hoping he maybe at least does a few more. And if it's possible, like I would get up to one in L.A. because that's probably where it would end up being, because this is an album that definitely deserves that. Like, I mean, I get like I'll get more into my first listen later, but I made sure like headphones on. I closed my eyes and just yeah. let let the music take me. So, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know it's it's something he doesn't have to be there for when my friend saw it uh he he was there to introduce the album but then had to leave so like i wonder if it's the kind of thing like when he's on tour and um uh, right now the plan is perhaps spring for for a u.s tour and you'll get to see him for the first time there's no way you're fucking missing this i, I swear to christ <laughs> knowing some of the concerts you've seen recently if you don't see stephen wilson I, I will never guest on here again. Uh, <laughs> you'll be stuck. You'll be stuck with Brian Lennon in my place. Um, and, and we all know how how nerve making that is. Uh, but but I, I I have to think that like maybe when he's on tour, it could be the kind of thing that like you know maybe the day of the show, you know in the afternoon somewhere you know if they're somewhere semi close to the venue, they could have you know if there's a listening room fitted that way. I, I don't yeah. I don't I'm not enough of an audiophile to know these things i just collect records and and pretend to be an audiophile but uh I, I would think that it's the kind of thing that you know that could kind of you know maybe go on tour with him as well uh because yeah. I, I would love to experience it and you know it, they were kind of set up uh, or advertised as kind of like pre-release listening party so i don't know if that you know the fact that the album has come out takes the shine off the rose a little bit for him but i hope not because i i would love to i would love to do something like that same here but I thought, like, wow, what a fascinating way to start rolling this thing out. And like, all right. Yeah. We're sitting in August and like, we're probably going to get the first single really soon. And then I I became, I went into my, one of my obsessive modes with this, this album release. Like, I, I have a history of like, if there's an album I'm really anticipating, I will get into the nitty gritty of the internet and find like, I'll be like, I'll like find the track list or the artwork or somehow like know it before it's like officially announced. Like I've managed, I managed to do that a couple of times with Marilyn Manson and Green Day in the past, mm -hmm. like get really into the fan rabbit hole and like know, know stuff before the, the, the release information dropped. And this one I did manage to find uh, the, I found, I remember seeing the album cover artwork really early on. I remember seeing the track list like early on. Oh, hang on. Is that? <laughs> I'm trying to show you the deluxe edition, but the background is not letting me. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Like, yeah, here's the inside. You can't see it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, uh, sure. It's so perfect. Um, yeah, I, re I remember like seeing the track list and going, okay, great. Surely we are going to get something soon, right? Right? 
and then it's the beginning of September. I'm like, Steve, what are you doing? Like, you got you got to roll out this album, man. And then I think it was like because like my timeline's a little blurry. Like, was it the first or second week in September we got the first uh, we got a economies of scale? It was the day that the the pre sale went because I was coming back from Chicago. And I remember that the pre-order, and I, I'm fairly certain I have this right, pre-order was announced. Yep. I was going to the airport. I immediately jumped on the deluxe edition in like the five minutes I had doing my final packing before going to the airport. And we listened to Economies of Scale in the car on the way there, um, just through my phone speaker. And I was like, yeah, this isn't the way to do that. Because it's when the video dropped uh, yeah. that morning. Um, and I was like, yeah, this isn't the way to do this. So that was the only, I avoided all of the other singles uh, going into this. And I probably shouldn't have even listened to Economies of Scale. Uh, but I was I was just so goddamn excited. It would have been um, end of August. Uh, end of August? I'm fairly certain, yeah. Yeah, because he, he said in an interview I just watched that like he gave himself four weeks. And I'll, I'll talk about why in a little bit. I remember thinking like, wow, that is a really quick turnaround for an album. Like, like the future yeah. bites, maybe just because COVID delayed it, but it seemed like we had like forever of singles and like social media push and like little pieces of artwork and yeah. like all the obsolete media things, like those art pieces. And it was just like, like, hey, album's coming in like four weeks. Here's the pre-order link. Here's the first single. And then you'll be getting another single in like a couple days, which was uh impossible tightrope i was like oh jesus yeah. Christ. by the way that it, it looks like the pre-release was august 29 august 29th album released uh september 29th yep so a month month between yeah sorry to interrupt guy no good no, that's good i was i was i should have written that down actually <laughs> <laughs> but uh so we got that and i was like i, I remember listening to economies of scale and going this is interesting it kind of had like I expected. It was more um, based in electronics, and it had some mm. interesting, I thought, droney sounds in it. I was like, okay, I'm gonna listen to this, and then I'm not gonna do anything else before the release of an album because one modern trend I absolutely despise is putting out like four or five songs before I actually get the album. It feels like spoilers to me. So I was like, yeah, this this is something that started with the Future Bites, Porcupine Tree album did it as well, and then this. I can't think that he loves this. You know, this is a guy that was smashing iPods with a hammer, yeah. you know, 15 years ago. Uh, but, you know, it, it's kind of, and look, you know, this is a guy who who has a family that's, you know, trying to make a living. You know, you have to, at, at some point, bow to, to the music industry. I don't know that he loves being on TikTok. Now, like, I, I see these things. Check out Stephen Wilson on TikTok, and I'm like, what the fuck happened? I know, uh, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, these are the things and streaming, like, you know, iPods. He was not, you know, he was very outspoken about iPods ruining music, which, you know, essentially, I I'm fully into that. They really did, you know, iTunes streaming. You know, it's not about albums anymore. It's about songs. Like I, I work with people that are in their twenties that, you know couldn't believe that i bought records they were like why would you do that if you could just like go on and listen to the song and it's just like well th that's a whole thing that's now just lost 
So I, I don't think, you know, this is a guy that has to make a living, but I can't think he's happy about the way that these things have to be rolled out now. I can't, I can't think that this is his mindset where he's like, you know what? Yeah, now I'm cool with releasing five songs from a nine song album, you know, before the album's even released. Like it's no longer an event. It's event. It's an event for somebody that's a real fan, you know, that that is really like kind of, you know, on edge for that day to come, like you or I would be. Yeah. But like, it's so... It, it kind of just dilutes it so much in a way that, you know, it doesn't ruin it for me, but I'm like, you know, it's a shame that, you know, you're, you know, the you're kind of blowing your load before the album's even out. And I think that that probably counts for what he, you know, and, and I assume he's got say in this, but I think that that's why, you know, maybe the songs that are released first are because they're not, you know, you're not throwing out what might be the best song on the record you know, and you're maybe saving it, but it's it's just such a shame the way that all that works now. First off, I, I have to say something must be off because you're the first person to reference Steven in this episode, not me. So uh, that that was uh, <laughs> that was unexpected. Blowing the load. Yeah, what, what, what do you mean reference? Yeah. Like reference Steven. Blowing, blo- re- reference Seaman, not Steven. Oh, Seaman. I thought you said Steven. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's usually my job. Okay. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, but I do it. I I do it in a way that's just much more couth than you. Yeah, you no, know? yeah. No, Even I, though I have twice twice the history. Oh yeah, tw- yeah, twice the the sticky backlog. <laughs> exactly. Oh, okay. Boy. Okay. But, uh, second thing, uh, did you listen to that interview I sent you a couple days ago? Not, not yet, not yet. I, I actually was reminded of it when I went through the Zoom link. I was going to check it out right after this, actually. Okay, so uh, mild spoiler. One thing he really digs into in there is like this fascination he has uh, mm-hmm. with the way pop and, as he called it, urban music now does their uh, release strategy. Like, like they don't really like adhere to that traditional model. So he said this time around, he was going to try and do that. And he said he was also in the past has felt uncomfortable with social media. So he hired like this new firm to do it for him, and that's why like. Like, you know, he's like, I, I created content for TikTok. I created content for Facebook. I created content for Instagram because Ooh, okay. that, because that's how it is now. He So I, in a way, you're, you're right. He's definitely going like, well, this is the way to do it now. And I think he just wanted the album to perform the best it could. That's very much the vibe I got. Like he he's like, you know, he, he literally says, you know, rock to its detriment is, you know, trying to, you know, believe that, you know, you put one video out with the band performing and that's enough now for your album. And he goes like, you have to keep engaging with people. Otherwise, you know, there's so much information that coming at you, you know, you're forgotten. He's like, I think the most you get with like one song announcement is like, you maybe have 48 hours before the fans move on to the next thing. Yeah, it's true. So that was, so he's very aware of that. Yeah. It's what you have to do. You know, I, I, I get it. You know, at some point, like, your integrity for the sake of like, you know, wanting to be a quote unquote artist, which, you know, if I was in his shoes, I would, I would want to present as, you know, as much of the kind of artiste and importance that, you know, that I feel as a fan, this music has, you know, uh, you know, it's a, it's a compromise and, you know, you, you have to, you have to do it at this point. Yeah. Yeah, he played he played the game a little bit, and I do think it's it's paying off because I think I've seen more for this album than I have for uh, 
the future bites at least like just more stuff online. oh yeah and, and i will agree with you every time I, I look at an instagram reel and there's steven with a link to goddamn tiktok i'm like well we've entered the strangest timeline i can think of <laughs> yeah i watched him this morning there was a great tiktok on uh and we'll talk about the song later time is running out uh this morning i saw on instagram i'm not on tiktok uh, so I, yeah <clears throat> that's that's a that's a, a bridge i have not crossed and trying not to but i have enough social media problems yeah but um you know when he when something like that is posted i do kind of just jump to the tiktok to watch it and it was a pretty cool video where he isolates one of the manipulated vocal tracks uh so like if you're into geeky shit like that Stephen wilson on tiktok is pretty great i know there was another one where he broke down the harmonies on economies of scale uh so you know it, it's I, I enjoy that kind of stuff it's just a shame that you know you're jumping to tiktok to see something like that and not like you know a documentary given to you with the right. box set where all this stuff is presented in a longer form thing and not a bunch of 30 second videos for you know uh internet people with short attention spans which yeah, isn't so you know which it isn't a slam it's just you know that's the way things are yeah, now it sounds like after after we do this, I'm going to have to open up TikTok in incognito mode like I do and go to the Stephen Wilson TikTok page and watch them like on the computer. Like that's that's how I if I want to look up something on TikTok, that's how I do it. I I, I refuse to have that fucking happen. <laughs> no, no. Um, but yeah, so he's definitely he, I definitely did notice right away the rollout for this album was a little different. And then so I avoided the rest of the singles except for one, which I'll talk about later. And there's a reason for that. Um, so right before we get to the release of the album, um, you got to interview him. Um, I don't know how many, yeah. I don't know what you want to give away in terms of spoilers, but you got to go on the rock solid podcast with, uh, Pat and you got to interview Steven Wilson. Is there anything you want to share from that? Well, I, I do want to say this was my second time talking to him. Um, Eric, uh, was, uh, kind enough to get him, uh, as a guest on pods and sods back in 2016 right after hand cannot erase was released um we had like 15 minutes with him then that we might have pushed to like 20. uh this uh so pat was kind enough to uh because he's not familiar with with the catalog as much as i've tried to push it on literally everybody i know um so, so he you know he sent me a he sent me a, a message and he's like you know what, do you consider yourself a stephen wilson expert and i was like you listen to anything I say or read anything I post? Like, if, if there's anybody in your circle that can call themselves that, even though I wouldn't call myself an expert, you know, people that write books on the man are, are you know, much deeper than I am, although I'd like to be. Um, yes. So he, uh, you know, brought me on as a co-host and we had a very wonderful talk with him for about an hour. It was, uh, we kind of traded off. Pat, Pat had the more general questions as somebody that you know is not or or a listener that would not be familiar with the work and then you know he'd shoot it to me and i'd be like all right so let's talk about your demos let's talk about your beat sides <laughs> you know in a way that you know of course i would be the one to ask um uh, i yeah i mean they're they're or it was great. He was he was very personable. I'm always nervous when talking to people, especially people that you kind of like hold in higher regard above other musicians. You know, um, you know, there are people that you kind of just have in that upper echelon of people that you admire because of their work. Stephen Wilson is definitely that guy for me. And 
Um, yeah, I mean, we 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 talked about Pat's uh, questions. We're pretty much focused on the new album. Um, went into detail about certain songs on the new album. Um, I actually had a question about the Future Bites tour and the videos that he made during the pandemic that ended up being some of the the rarer songs that were performed on the Porcupine Tree tour. Uh, I did ask him about um, the the process of you know, if uh, if anybody's heard, if they're deep in the rabbit hole, uh, the demo for Lazarus from Red Wing had a, a middle eight bridge on it that was completely different from what ended up on it and completely different from the rest of the song. It was actually kind of bouncy. Uh, so I use that as an example. And, you know, if if you listen to to Stephen Wilson's demos, you know, the, the In Absentia and Dead Wing Porcupine Tree boxes show this. And I'm sure we talked about it on the Porcupine Tree episode. Yep. Some of those demos that were like three or four years before the album came out have like the vocal track that ended up on the album or the guitar solo that ended up on the album. So we talk about the process of like a demo and now how, you know, recording at home, your demo is, you know, just basically your starting point, at least for him it is, and not like a demo that you then go into the studio and try to recreate. If your demo has, you know, a vocal track that you can't better, which usually you can't, and I'll leave the reasons why to him when anybody uh, when the rock solid episode comes out to listen to, um, to guitar solos to things like that. Uh, so there there were a lot of uh, I, I think it, there will be a lot of cool stuff for anybody that's a, a an admirer of his work. It was a super fun interview, um, and just on a a personal fanboy note, against my better judgment. Uh, Stephen Wilson's like the only guy that I've ever been choked up in front of to the point where I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go up to him and tell him that I, you know, I've i met him, I don't know, maybe like 12, 15 times at like meet and greets and things like that. <laughs> and, you know, the first couple of times I'm like, yeah, I, I can tell him what his music means to me. And then I walked away being like, well, that was a fucking embarrassment. <laughs> like I didn't rehearse this well enough. Uh, so, you know, I said pretty early on, I was like, I'll be completely honest with you. Like you, you've been my favorite musician for the last 20 plus years so uh, we have a history, um, you know, and I, I never know, you know, I wouldn't know how he would take something like that, uh, you know, because there definitely are obsessed fans. Uh, I, I try to think that I, I flirt with the line of obsessed, but like, I don't give a shit about his personal life or like things like that. I'm very, very into the music to a point where I will just dissect it to levels that probably aren't healthy for any human. But I do that with with music anyway. But he was, I think, saying that, you know, when he would reference things from Porcupine Tree, he would address me by name and say, you know, I'm sure Craig knows about this. But, you know, when I wrote this and I was just like, well, well this this is I couldn't have asked for anything more in terms of like him being personable. Uh, so on on that level, it was, you know, one of one of the great podcasting moments I've had. I'm extremely thankful to to Pat and of course, Eric, you know, for, for, you know, having both those opportunities to talk with my favorite musician, those kind of things don't happen every day. So uh, I think it's a great episode and uh, it, it should come out probably in a few weeks. So check the rock solid podcast for, for that an interview with Stephen Wilson. Absolutely. I look, I'm looking forward to that. And you sent me a few like little screen gaps from it. And man, the smile on your face is just a thing of, thing of beauty. It really is. I, I was so happy for you, dude. Yeah. And again, I really just wanted like a screen cap, you know, so I, I just, you know, threw the screen recorder on a few times and, 
you know, it, it was nice to, uh, to, to be able to just kind of like have that little, little memory. It was, they were, they were some really great moments and he, he goes into some great detail about things. So um, it, it, I couldn't really have wanted anything more than, you know, what he, what he gave us. And we got to meet his dog Bowie. So Aww. that was also a plus in that massive fucking room he has God. With, with tons of records behind him. Oh. It was like, uh, you know, anybody that's ever seen him do an interview um, or, or even, you know, there, there have been other things he's posted where, you know, even like when, uh, uh, when this album came out, he was sitting on his couch showing you the vinyl and everything. And when he popped up on zoom, he was in that room and I was just like, Oh God damn, it is that room. Like that's that's just a a killer room to 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 look at, you know, as a as a a vinyl enthusiast, as so, as someone who very much wants like you know his own like like I have my office here with my CDs and stuff in it, but I aspire to that level of organization and just that much like I see that room, and I'm just like oh someday someday man I'm gonna have the house I'm gonna have the room and it's gonna be fucking epic. So yeah, yeah that, I have a that... background here for a reason. You, you don't <laughs> want to see you don't want to see what's behind me. <laughs> well, actually, I do know Steve's behind you. Yeah, that is true. Up there, uh, yeah. there where you can't see, there is a <laughs> uh, an autographed gatefold, um, yeah. part of the collection. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Pat Pat's a guy. If anybody's ever listened to the Rock Solid podcast, Pat goes to a concert and then he waits outside try to get vinyl signed for hours and he's got a room called the rock room which is hundreds of signed pieces of vinyl the walls are are full um and i got to stay there he was kind enough to let me and megan stay there uh we nice. went to see the monkeys together in 2016 and he waited outside that show was unsuccessful but i was like i'm actually seeing it in the flesh like this isn't something that he talks about and the gag for the podcast and that people kind of you know make fun of i was like this is actually real so before he came on he's like have you ever met him and i was like yeah i, I you know i hung around after shows and he's like successful and i was like oh yeah you know many 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 times you know and so yeah uh it's it's you know it, it was it was interesting being a fan in the the early 2000s when they, they would like play a club in philly and you could meet them at the bar afterwards like it was you know super weird but uh yeah part of the collection there behind me all right so that means you got to hear the album before way before i did um you got the stream what were your first reactions yeah uh well um so so there was a uh an advanced mp3 stream um the, the drawback of that is that you know i i, I would I, I you know more about how this kind of stuff works um but you know, the pre-release stream had no credits. You know, it was just literally uh, a directory of MP3s. And I wish, and I was talking to Pat about this afterwards because he had a question about one of the songs we'll talk about. And, you know, I had known the credits just from Stephen social media and just being a fan. But like, I, I really wish these things would even just come with a text file that listed the musicians and writing credits. Yeah. You know, it's 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 odd to me that they don't include that. Um, but aside from that, yeah, I, I I gave it a listen the way I wanted to at night in the dark for the first time. And I everything that um, everything that I wanted the album to be, it was uh, it was a. 
a whole listen. Uh, and, you know, the, the friends of mine that were interested in it, I gave them all the same advice. When the album comes out, don't listen to it in your car. Don't listen to a couple songs and go back to it later. Find 64 minutes where you will not be interrupted. Preferably at night. I had a wonderful listen on the porch one night at night. It was fantastic. Uh, and through headphones, which I think is absolutely a must for this record. Um, we'll get into individual things, but I was I was blown away from first listen. Um, we'll probably get, well, I know we'll get into where we think this album stands in his discography. So I won't go that far yet. And I wasn't willing to kind of put that on it after first listen anyway. It was going to take me a few before I really got an idea of where I thought this album stood. But I listened to it five times before we talked to him. Uh, and then, of course, quite a few times after actually receiving the um, the the physical product, which came about a week after. Uh, I got it last weekend, so a week after release. Um, and it's just... Uh, I, I think I think it's it's great. I, I'm 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 hesitant to say more because I know that we're going to yeah. talk about certain things. But first listen was what I would have hoped for at the very least. Nice, and I definitely heeded your advice on that. By the way, like I definitely made sure to like set aside some time, and I had a plan originally. Um, that on release day, like, because I figured my CD wouldn't arrive in time, that I was gonna get yeah. a download and I was gonna just take a few hits from the vape pen and just relax and just listen to the thing. And then some terrible stuff in my life happened. You know what happened? I ended up waiting a week to till after the release till I finally ended up hearing it. Actually, it was more than a week because my copy came the Friday after. Uh, like a week after it was out and then I was like okay yep. so Sunday that Sunday morning after that I woke up early I took my took my portable CD player which I've got right right over here I took this and nice yep yeah this thing's cool because it's also Bluetooth um, so I took that and I took my favorite pair of headphones which are really expensive and like you turn on the and they have like this sound enhancer it's so so cool um, and I, I put it on and I just closed my eyes and I listened to the whole album and man, it was breathtaking. It, like I, I knew I was going to like find something to enjoy here, but like I was not expecting like the level of reaction I had to it. I kind of also expected it to take a few listens for it to really open up to me after some of the conversations we had. Nope. Like it was just like, it just clicked right away. And I, it was one of my favorite listening experiences I've had this year. And it's also kind of colored the way I approach this album now because, like, I don't, I don't like to listen to this album, like you said, in the car, and I don't really yeah. like to play it too, like, like when I'm just doing shit around the house either. I like to be present for this thing because there is, as we'll get into, there is so much sonic ear candy goodness in this thing that yeah. it is. Which I. Yeah, it's amazing. It. It's amazing. It, like I, I know Steven's good at doing that stuff, but man, he really amped it up here yeah and i thought that about the future bites i thought i thought maybe one of the best things about the future bites was the the, the sonic kind of soundscapes going on under the songs there was so much sequenced and synthy stuff that just like listening to it in 5.1 really brought that stuff out um and you know there's a lot of that kind of going on here as well which is just great 
uh, when after I had listened to the album, maybe a day or two before we interviewed him, uh, I sent Megan uh, some of the videos uh, to, to give her an idea of what it was like. And it was just like, I, I wish I wasn't presenting it to you this way where you're hearing a song, but I thought the video was, you know, kind of a big part of, uh, uh, you know, the experience in, in these cases. I sent her Rock Bottom and What Life Brings, um, which are both very strong videos. God damn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, in terms of like the entire experience, I think, yes, you have to listen to this as one whole piece, which is interesting because, you know, there are there are albums and these songs don't even segue. You know, th this could have been like a listening experience that was full, but like these are all separate songs and still give you the... Uh, the full experience of an album, you know, which is something I wouldn't really have thought possible like this, especially when, you know, the one thing that he said about this album is that it's the first album he went into without having a roadmap. Like the first album he did, you know, he went in two days, you know, he's had his prog album, he's had his jazz album. Um, and this is, you know, uh, the future bites pop electronic album. He said, this is the first time I wrote 10 songs and, you know, just recorded them with no thought towards what does this album have to be? And I think it was one of the interviews you linked me to probably that that first real big one. That was the part one of two where he said, you know, in terms of like a Stephen Wilson album, this is the purest because these are songs that I wrote without any sort of uh, a preconceived notion about what they had to fit into. And so that's what I went into this album expecting. And I think that knowing that helped uh, because it really is, you know, and, and these songs, you know, there isn't one overarching theme, but even so, it feels like a very thematic work because yeah. it's a, a very cinematic execution and production. And I think that that's what, you know, that's what it has going for it. The thing that I said to Megan that I thought was interesting the the uh the icon you see on the cover uh yep. and that you sly dog see here behind me yeah i would hold it up but you won't be able to see it um <laughs> there it is um so so that is a staircase and every block represents one song on the record of course the last song being staircase yep. um and that little object kind of like the object on the front of led zeppelin's presence is kind of like a a, a thematic thing and it's in the videos and at the end of what life brings, um, the this little object comes into the video. Uh, it's a video I would recommend anybody to watch because it's fantastic. But it it made me think like it's I, I you know, and I'm probably you know not remembering anybody that's done it recently. But like you know, back in the days of my growing up and VHS, you would have video albums that yep. would you know you know if not all the videos from an album like you know enough and maybe create a bit of a storyline i yeah. felt like you know this would be a perfect visual like the entire album you know 10 vignettes 10 videos all linked together with this theme you know at least with this object and when the object comes into it at the end i was like this feels like it could be part of like a much larger video project 
Um, this was something I meant to bring up while talking to him and just, you know, the conversation didn't go that way. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that would be great. I think this would make a great, uh, something visually to go along with it, I think would be fantastic. You know, especially the videos that have been released so far uh, are totally great. And and I think you're half the way there. I think there are videos for five of the songs already. So, um, yeah, I, I think that would be a really yeah. cool thing. Yeah, and if he wants to continue like this engagement he's talking about, th there may be more. So hopefully, hopefully there is. Hopefully there's at least something maybe we can throw in our own personal YouTube playlist at the end and then watch an order at the end of this all. Yep, yep. yep. So yeah, very cool. Cinema for the ears the, is what is what he's been calling this in interviews, and I think that's an ap appropriate description of the album. It is, it's magic. Um, it, it's completely, I believe I called, I said this was his magnum opus in one of my messages to you. I was just so jazzed on it. And I don't know if it's just because I needed something like to distract me at the time so badly, but man, I do still really feel excited about this album. So you want to hit the track by track? Yeah. Just, I just want to say that, you know, I, I, you know, the, the two friends of mine that, you know, I kind of really trusted for opinions on this uh, the most were you and uh, my friend Henning, who I did a Stephen Wilson album by album episode with years ago. And when I did have the pre-release, uh, you know, I, I told both of you, you know, time is going to tell with this, but I think that it is... I, I, again, when it comes to blowing my load, I don't know that I want to say this yet, so I won't <laughs> uh, until the end of the episode. But when I gave my opinion, I, I, I always have it in the back of my mind that, you know, am I bigging this up too much, you know, because I'm excited for a new St Stephen Wilson record, you know, because I've definitely had that in the past with other artists where I've been like, you know, this might be the best thing they've ever done. And then I don't go back to it. Or when I do go back to it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, maybe maybe I was overshooting. But the reactions that both of you gave to this let me know that I was on the right track with my my thoughts about this. I thought it was executed very, very, very well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'll, I'll probably get more into my reasons why I called them his magnum opus as we do this track by track. But I just feel like there is so much DNA of what what I think of when I think of Stephen Wilson. It's in this album, but there's also more, and I think stuff he's been working towards through his whole career, kind of comes to fruition on here whether that was intentional or just a happy accident i don't know but i think this is this is like the most stephen wilson stephen wilson album we have yeah and what you don't know yet is that it also calls back to some delirium era stuff uh that was very obvious to me upon listening to it whether it was you know intentional on his part or not it really does kind of cover the gamut of his whole career in terms of like but doesn't feel like it's contrived in that way. You know, like it takes so much from other things he's done, but bends it in a way that doesn't feel nostalgic or forced or contrived. And I think that that's what, you know, really makes this album stand up. There's there's a certain track I was actually going to bring that up on. Like you mentioned, like it kind of calls back to those early albums. And the only one I have is... um what's the one with like the old timey bondage on the cover uh oh signify signify yeah uh yeah signify and there's like some of that like spoken word like vocal sample stuff on this thing that's on there um yeah i'm, I'm actually thinking further back if you go to up the downstair 
Oh. The spoken word there is is much more in line with what you hear here. I mean, it is on Signify as well, and he, you know it's something he used often. Voyage thirty four, things like that. But um, yeah, when I was listening to this, there were a few there were a few things that made me think of Up the Downstair, which you know at this point is thirty years old. Jesus Christ, <laughs> uh, that came out in ninety three. Oh um, wow, that there, there was the Porcupine Tree album the year I was born. That's incredible. Yep. yep. Yep, I was I was turning twenty. <laughs> you were you were just being born. Yes, it was uh, it was a great year for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. Oh, that's crazy. I just I I still have this in my brain a little bit. That Porcupine Tree is a new band. No, they're not. Yeah, that's what yeah. that's happened. That's what happens if you spend most of your life listening to classic rock. <laughs> what a history! And if you uh, again uh, to bring up those those footprints books. They go back even further than the the stuff that Stephen Wilson recorded as Porcupine Tree, which was a pseudonym uh, back in the very late yeah. 80s. Um, you know, Porcupine Tree was put together as a fictitious band so that he could make these cassettes in his bedroom, much like I did, much less successfully in my case. But had like this, um, uh, uh, these write-ups and these cassettes about the the history of Porcupine Tree, which was supposed to be a band from the '60s, and these cassettes that he made in the late '80s were supposed to be like best of Porcupine Tree, all these songs they recorded in the '60s. And then once those started to pick up steam, it was like, great, now I have to put together a band called Porcupine Tree, <laughs> which is something he, you know, he was never quite happy about that. That's the name that you know just ended up catching fire. And this whole, you know, thing that was just a, a fictional band became a real band. But before that, even there's, you know, cassettes that he made before Porcupine Tree when he was 15, and these things are all documented in, in these books. It's fantastic. Um, so yeah, yeah, definitely recommend those. Yeah, I, I could just spend an afternoon with headphones and those books and just it's it's they're so great, so well done. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to have to get those. Awesome. Right. All right, let's hit that track by track. Um, kicking things off uh, with Inclination. Come see the fool I'll swindle you out of the game Bow down to him don't ever give him your name He stole it from somebody else He can fake it forever electronics that's the first thing i noticed right away like we get these kind of 
sequence drum hits and it builds and it builds and you almost think start to think this track is some kind of instrumental intro to the album because it builds and it builds and then it just drops and then steve's voice breaks the silence like a ghost and it's the perfect opener for this album i think it sets the tone for the record's kind of theme of unpredictability in a way like there's like an almost an unpredictability to this album um i really mm -hmm. dig it um i think i think he sounds great vocally on this one and i love like the electronics seem a bit more perfected and harsher this time around. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the, I think it only really works as the first track. It's perfectly placed. Um, I remember the first time I listened to it when the music drops out and I mean, it's a, it's a drop out, you know, it's, oh, yeah. it's, I, I looked to see what the next track was when he's, when the vocals come in, which come in pretty dry yeah. uh, or unaccompanied, I should say. And, uh, I, I looked and I was like, oh, well, we're still we're still in the first track here and there's still quite a bit to go. Um, yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a great, great opening track. I think it sets up the album really, really well. And yeah, the the electronics, I think the electronics, you know, as much as I do love the electronics on the Future Bites, I think they're used so much better on this record. He's really honed in again to go to TikTok. There's some great videos of the analog synths that he's used on this record and him demonstrating some of them and uh, super, super interesting videos. So yeah, just a great opening to the record. Yeah, I could also see this being a really cool, like, like I will talk about the potential tour for this later, but um, this would be a good show opener. Like I can oh, just yeah. imagine like lights and, the, and then everything just kind of dropping out and there he is for that opening line. Just, Spotlight. Just, spotlight yeah yeah, yeah. it's very it's very again cinema for the ears and the other thing I'll, I'll say right here is like you mentioned the the analog sense i love that he's been saying throughout this whole rollout that like he didn't really know what he was doing with them he just kind of got in there and messed around and i love that like he 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 just he just was like fuck it i'm, I'm not it might not be perfect but it's gonna sound cool like i have a friend who is an analog synth collector uh, and I'm not saying this to make a joke about him not being a musician, but he's a drummer. Uh, so he, you know, and I'm only saying that to say that he does not know scales or chords or anything like that. I'm not trying to say he's not a musician, but the stuff that he even created when we were in high school with these analog synths, you know, was creative because, you know, a creative mind will get stuff out of those, um, and, and, you know, uh, Stephen Wilson, who knows his way around, you know, a guitar and obviously piano, uh, let loose on some stuff like this, like the possibilities really are endless. So, yeah, it, and I think he's really honed in, even though he says he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, and, and look, when you're when you're looking at something that's got, you know, like a hundred patch cords and wires and jacks. <laughs> you know, you can literally do anything with it. A lot of people wouldn't know what they're doing. You just do something and hope it sounds good. But, you know, it makes for great launching pads for, for songs, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's a super, super great intro. Yeah. Track two was, uh, like, again, it was another surprise uh, because I was very much expecting the album to kind of stay in a similar vein to inclination for most of it. But what yeah. life brings...
favorite songs on the album this could have almost been on like stupid dream or light bulb sun almost it's got a, it's got a little bit of a dreamy vibe it even kind of reminds me of the moody blues in places it's very melodic like if yeah. like if the, if the whole key keys thing is putting you off like from the like in the electronics are putting off on the first one this one's got guitar it's a, a bit more yeah. like traditional song structure but it is a really it's a damn good song and it's one of my favorites on here and just great sounding acoustic guitars, shimmery. Yeah. You know, there's there's drama in the chords, some great harmonies, and his guitar solo. Like, <clears throat> you know, I, I'm not I'm not a guitar aficionado, but he's a guy that for me, with some simple notes, comes real close to like the emotion that I get from like a David Gilmore guitar solo. Yep. Um, and, and this is one. It's it's just you know. It's it's probably a fairly simple solo, but it's it's so um, it packs so much in uh, to, to those kind of well, you know uh, sparse notes um, and conveys a lot. Uh, and just yeah, as I said before, great video, definitely worth checking out. Um, and uh, there's another video he put out about this where he talks about how it's you know it's 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 lyrically you know it it kind of you know vacillates between you know uh hopeful and you know dark because you know it is dark like you don't know what's happening tomorrow you know um and the video conveys that as well uh and just uh, yeah i think this is this is one of the standouts here absolutely yeah and i think that's going to be a running theme through the album of this like between light and dark like being hopeful but being aware that you know things could get things could get, take a terrible left turn at any second yeah agreed but holding on to that hope and holding on to it because you have to yeah yeah, yeah. all right 100 all right track three economies of scale, of scale the first taste we got of this album
sequencing and heavy keys. It kind of surprised me the first time I put it on because the way it's kind of structured, it's got almost like a vibe and a bounce of a hip hop song almost just a little bit. Um, I'm not sure the sequenced hi hats, yeah, the, the, the fast hi hats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I was, I was really like, wow, that, that is not what I expected. And Steve's vocals kind of float over in and it's really a feast for the years when you hear it on headphones. The first time like you, I did not hear it on headphones. I just played it on my laptop. Um, and so listening to it, when I did the first listen to the album, like with my he- really good headphones, I was like, Oh, this is, I missed so much on the first listen, the piano yeah. chords over the part of the song where they're saying the name, gorgeous oh my god mm-hmm. and they kind of remind me of like what bowie and eno were doing on like wars war warsaza or however you, how you say that song name like the Ber- like the berlin trilogy that yeah. it, like that kind of like droney like watery sound they they got that kind of reminds me of that so this song like really went from being something like oh that's interesting to like once i got it on the heard it on the album and heard it on he- proper headphones like it was just like a whole new sonic landscape and like just got the hairs of my armor standing up again such a good album agreed uh, I, I there's not much more i can add to this just you know the harmonies at the end you know it, this is something that you know he he's done for years and years and years but it seems like he just keeps getting better at you know le- whereas your voice should start to get worse as you know he's now into his 50s his harmonies are just so lush always have have been and his ability to layer and weave around things, you know, and and look, you know, the way he produces, this is probably like four vocal lines that he cut and pasted hundreds of times, but the way that it's done is just so entrancing and beautiful, you know, uh, and, and it's one of the things that I love most about his his music, you know. Um, I, I've often said about Porcupine Tree, it, it was everything I loved in terms of like musical style. And then when it got heavy, the harmonies were still beautiful. He never resorted to like, you know, key monster vocals and things like yeah. that, uh, no matter how heavy the song was. And so I, I think vocals are one of his biggest strengths. Um, and And, you know, when it comes to being a vocalist, Probably not one of the strongest voices in musical history, but uses it to, to such great effect. Oh, you know? yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with everything you said on this one. A fantastic song. I'm going to yeah. say that about every song. That's a spoiler. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the next one, though, this was one that I was kind of impossible tightrope.
little like nervous going into this one because you, you know me, I like lyrics. I like vocals. Um, very rarely does like, like do I get excited for an instrumental? Like now Steven has in the past on instrumentals that I really like, but I was like, Oh boy, this is an Epic. This could go either way. And this ended up again being one of my favorite songs on the damn album. I love yeah. this one. There's some nice ambient synths on here. And then when it really kicks in, it's just intense. And the intensity is really infectious. And I love how the it's kind of offset by those eerie strings. And then you get a jazzy, yeah. like, like out of nowhere sax solo that's really, really cool. Like, I, I really dig this one. I think this is his best instrumental piece since Sectarian. Yeah, you know what? I, I think I would agree there as well. This The piece that this harkened back to for me is also from Up the Downstairs. It's a song called Burning Sky. And that's like a nine, 10 minute instrumental that's very guitar based. Um, but this kind of, it recalls it without, it doesn't follow the same blueprint by any means, but it, when I listen to it, it kind of just, it, it brings it to mind, but, but in a way that 30 years later just is executed better, you know? Um, but yeah, the, the, the only thing that I saw about this before the album and kind of accidentally um, before I heard the album, there was a uh, an Instagram story because the video for this was coming out. This was going to be the next quote unquote single, yeah. which which again, it doesn't it doesn't make sense releasing this as a single, you know, and we shouldn't even call them singles. They're teasers for the album that you can yeah. you can stream, you know, um, but uh so I heard like maybe, I don't know, like 10 seconds of it while they showed uh, a little bit of the video. Um, and it was kind of, it, it seemed obvious at that point that this would probably be the epic on the record. Uh, spoiler, there there's more than one epic on the record. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but but yeah, uh, I, again, lockstep with you in terms of, of how this is. I can't wait until you hear something like Burning Sky and see what you think about something like that. Like an instrumental from 1993. I think that his instrumental stuff on on the Sunday of Life and Yellow Hedgerow Dreamscape are going to be challenging for you. A lot of them are challenging for me. You know, this was a teenager in his bedroom dicking around with a homemade four track. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, something like this, it, it's just it's it's everything that that he does that's great in an instrumental song. And yeah, I love this one too. It's so engaging. It really is. Like, yeah, like it. Th th that nine minutes flies by in a blink of an eye. Yeah, agreed. And, and also, um, I should mention I didn't because I didn't mention it yet. Harmonic distortions. Uh, there's a whole separate yeah. album of like remixes and alternative versions, and there's an alternate take of Impossible Tightrope. What do you think of that one? Uh, I, I've only listened to Harmonic Distortions once. Okay. I I need to listen to it again. Um, uh, and I kind of I I didn't look, look completely look at the track list while I was listening to it. But it's a, a reimagining of all of the tracks with input from other artists. Um, sometimes they re-record the vocal. Um, sometimes they just remix the song and add elements. Sometimes they add instrumentation. He kind of just gave a bunch of different artists license to do whatever they wanted with the song. And so the the harmonic distortion disc, which comes in the the deluxe set as a second disc, is is kind of it's it's a great alternate listen you know uh and i didn't want to approach it until i was familiar enough with the actual album so you know so that i could kind of 
listen to it a little better and, and have like a better idea of what was happening with these songs. Um, and it's also fantastic to listen. Um, yeah, I, I I need to revisit it again, but it, it's a as a whole, the whole thing is just a fantastic listening experience, uh, which is uh, kind of helped along with these little segues of pieces of songs from the record, and it it works um, as much as I think this album is cinematic. I feel like the harmonic distortions is cinematic in a completely different way. Um, it's 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 more. Um, dreamscapey in terms of the fact that it kind of goes in very different directions uh at certain points uh so it's if anybody's able to listen to it if it's out there anywhere um i definitely recommend it if you're a fan of the album totally i thought the impossible tightrope on there was interesting because that was one where he didn't have like a guess it just says impossible right. tightrope alternate version so yeah and i think uh, uh impossible scarecrow i think was also an alternate i know harmony codex was like an unedited version um uh yeah and then you know so i I think maybe like half the songs had guests and half didn't you know they were just kind of like versions that he that were working versions which is interesting because one thing that he did say during the rock solid interview was that um this was probably the first time that he went in with a group of set songs recorded those songs worked on those songs and there was nothing left over there were no b-sides no outtakes so um wow. and usually when he puts out these deluxe editions there there are alternates and outtakes and you know uh unedited versions of things there's like i know the the future bites had like an 18 minute personal dropper you would have loved that oh wow um <laughs> just tons of stuff and uh um and this is this is kind of the same but it, it was cool that um there were things on there that were just like alternate versions of songs on the record. So thank you for bringing that up. Yes. There are definitely ones on there that are just like alternate takes or alternate mixes of things that ended up on the record. Yeah. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. All right. Track five, uh, rock bottom. I feel favorite of the pre-release singles and i wasn't gonna like like i said i was initially just gonna stick with uh economies of scale but when you posted this one to facebook like i was like okay if craig break broke the rule then this has to be a good one and man i was not let down uh yeah nanette uh i'm not sure how to say her last name do you know how to say her last name Tayeb, i believe nanette Tayeb. nanette Tayeb is back singing with Steven and their voices work so well together. I love them on, um, why am I blanking on the name to the bone? I love them on to the bone. Um, I think they work like as a vocalist, like they're, they're good to bounce off each other. And I love the lyrics of that one. It was, it's very hopeful. 
It's very positive. You know, keep pushing through, stay alive. Um, I'm glad he had her sing on this album. Um, it's hard for me to pick a favorite. She wrote this song too. Oh, did she? She wrote the lyrics. She wow. wrote. She no. She wrote the entire song. Oh wow. He um, he presented it to him, and uh, uh, he did the arrangement. Uh, I'll leave it to you and listeners to listen to the Rock Solid podcast to tell the story about um, what he thought of her original version and what he did to it. But yeah, this is a, a completely a song of hers that he asked that he could put on the album and uh, change a bit. Um, yeah, it's a fantastic song. And again, she's, you know, she she might be my favorite collaborator of his. Everything they've done has been knocked out of the park. You have Routine on Hand Cannot Erase, which is just, God damn it, one of the best songs he's ever done. Um, and uh, uh, Pariah, Pariah. On, on, obviously, on To the Bone. Um, she does a version of Porcupine Trees Don't Hate Me, which is, I believe, on Four and a Half, the EP that he put out. Uh, on the B-side of How Big the Space vinyl, which was a record store release, there's a version of her singing People Who Eat Darkness from To the Bone. Um, so yeah, they, they've collaborated a, a, a bunch of times and it makes me long for like them to do a full project together. I think it would be fantastic. Like in the vein of Blackfield, like yeah. Blackfield is, is Stephen and Aviv Geffen, who is, um, uh, uh, another, another collaborator that he's, you know, done several albums with. And I think it's the same with her. You know, I, I, I would love to see them do, do more, you know, because every time, and you know what? This song's got, you know, one of the best things about Routine, which is a song anybody should check check out if you can deal with extremely sad. Uh, <laughs> he hits... Oh, uh, oh it's something. Um, there, there's a version on uh, the Blu-ray he put out live at the Royal Albert Hall, which is, which was sadly not part of the show, but it's, it's they sound checked it in the empty hall. Um, and I, it was on YouTube at least a while ago. I, I remember sending it to to Megan. Uh, it it is fantastic, and she has a, a heat in that song, uh, much like she's gotten Pariah at the end of the the chorus when, when her vocal just rises. She's got another one here. She she is a master of bringing the song to a peak, uh, and yeah, another fan. Fantastic song, um, and that's that's really what was. You know, the reason I knew that she wrote it was because I I'd seen it in an interview before I actually got the record, and when we were talking to him, Pat asked about her, and um, uh, and Stephen talked about her writing the song. I I only knew that because I'd read another interview, but that's what was making me wish like. I wish these pre-releases came with liner notes yeah. or, you know, credits, you know, that would have been something you'd have known, you know, uh, and then could have like presented the question in, in a different way, you know, and thankfully he expanded on it and, and the whole process of about how he, how he, you know, was presented the song and things like that. But when you don't know that she wrote it, you know, uh, you could lose something in, you know, in the question. And yeah. so I'm glad that, you know, he, he kind of took it in that direction, but yeah, one of his best collaborators, no question, no question. And she's fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's such a highlight. And 
yeah if if you haven't heard like i i recommend like pariah is one of my favorite songs uh, I, I recommend it people go listen to that one because like if if all of what we're talking about today seems a little scary and dense that one can probably hook you oh yeah definitely the video's great. The video's yeah. great. Yeah. Alright, so moving on to track six, Beautiful Scarecrow. Pull off my legs, pull off my wings. You beautiful scarecrow, you pull the strings, you deep in the shade, you deep in land, you want all things. Again. You spit me out. You suck the air from the room. You give me cause to doubt. And here you are, alien new career. You leave more behind. It's such a bad idea. strong contender for favorite on the album for me it has this eerie like crawly opening with steven addressing this person that seems like someone who thinks they're better than everybody and knows everything but they don't um and they're hollow and there's like these horror movie strings um it has like a quiet intensity to it like it's not as like you know loud or distorted as something from like insurgentes but it's kind of that vibe it's that vibe, but it's seen through a different lens. Great. Pat will ask a question specifically about this song in the episode. Uh, so if you're a fan of this song, uh, there will be uh, some chat about that. When I listened through the first time, as soon as I heard, you're such a bad idea. I was like, oh, this is this is my favorite song on this record. That's <laughs> such a, and I hate to say this because he's been accused of, you know, uh, of going down this road before, but that is such a Pink Floyd slash Roger Waters melody, uh, uh, kind of you know at the end of a verse that, it, but it's so good. And uh, this is man, it's tough. Like I love like what life. I love this whole album. I love what life brings. I love rock bottom. But there are two songs on this record that definitely float to the top for me. This is one of them. The other one's coming. But um, yeah, uh, and I, I don't know. It, it, it's 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 just one of those songs that's masterful, top to bottom. It's exactly what I want in a Stephen Wilson song. You know, it's it you know a little creepy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but but again, you know, plays into the whole cinematic thing of what what we're talking about. You know, and that's you know another reason why it works so well. It's just it's executed so well. Yeah, everything about it just works. Like I even remember when I first saw the track list and I saw beautiful scarecrow i'm like that's gonna be a good song like i just from the title alone i'm like that's gonna be a highlight i just somehow knew it and i was right i was i was so right it's something it's all everything about it is perfect i like that you compared it to roger waters as well because i was thinking about this the other day you know you and i've been having that back and forth about the uh dark side of the moon redux it kind of feels appropriate that like we got that album and this album really close together i don't know why it just does Interesting thing to me is, you know, 
this guy moved sideways, and Stephen Wilson would probably tell you this, and I believe he said it, was was definitely a shot at trying to make something that sounded like Floyd at least somewhat. Usually he's kind of, if he's gotten criticism about flying too close to Floyd, it's been musically. This is the first time that I I think I've ever heard him do a vocal that could be like a Roger Waters Pink Floyd vocal and even really only on that part of the line you know he, he's not you know I, I wouldn't say he's he's doing a pastiche by any means but just that kind of like kind of like the way that 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 line at the end of the verse leaves you hanging a little bit melodically yeah. um it, it just it called that to mind and i think it i think it's done really well and sky moves sideways by the way that like because of like i hear that that it's like pink floyd that's what I'm really curious about. Like I, I'm looking forward to, I'm hoping that when I go to Minneapolis in a couple of weeks that I can just clean up the rest of my missing uh, Porcupine Tree albums while I'm out doing record shopping. So yeah, that's what I'm really excited to hear. Like I, I hear yeah, everybody compare I, that one to Wish You Were Here. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it, uh, even if only for the fact that it's, you know, a half hour-ish song cut into two pieces at the beginning and the end of the album and then there's like, like some little bookends in between i mean that's the wish you were here blueprint you know yep. uh, you can't get really any more obvious than that um without calling it the sky move sideways parts one through five and six through nine although the u.s version cuts them into tracks which the uk one does not hmm. um but uh, the only thing I'll that might be a little challenging and it's not for me but it's it's 1994 drum machine you know <laughs> this was you know on the cusp of like signify is really where porcupine tree becomes the band on record um this is still you know uh, and the the new version contains gavin replacing the drum machine on some songs but not the title song uh, but like the songs in between gavin drums on now uh, in the new kind of like redux the way a redux should really be done uh not to throw shade but um <laughs> yeah I, I i i think you'll enjoy it it's a it's it's a it's a, it's a it's a good you know the sky move sideways is a really cool song um whether or not you feel like it it fits the length of its parts is really you know preference but i i think it's a really strong record forward to it that was a fun sidebar um let's move to us uh, oh, where's the fucking sidebar john oi <laughs> such a cool song that's probably what i'm gonna like i'm gonna have to crank that up when i start making breakfast <laughs> now <laughs> god damn uh track seven title track harmony codex It seems I'm miles above the surface of the earth. I can see across the whole of London and beyond. Lights from a thousand cities. Towering buildings in far-off places. Ships and thunderstorms at sea and beyond. A trillion stars in a billion galaxies. I 
gaze out across the millennia, it took the lights from these stars to reach the Earth. I close my eyes. out at least in my opinion all these songs kind of seem to hang together thematically and it starts with this one um they feel connected in some way this song kind of has like a spoken word vocal sample thing going on like we talked about um this one gives me strong tangerine dream vibes like we were talking about earlier like the like it's very ambient very dreamy like i i can tell steven is very much paying tribute to his love of like you know albums like zeit and federa here and then you get that spoken word which is really cool um yeah i i think this is an interesting little uh start of like a like the final run of the record what do you think of this one agreed uh, uh, and again this this kind of also calls back up the downstair for me because up the downstair is uh you know uh, a kind of electronic work with uh a female's voice uh coincidentally on that one it was richard barbieri's wife keyboard support country and here it is stephen wilson's wife um so that's that's an interesting kind of uh through line um but but does it without you know kind of like blueprinting the former um i love the I, I love the sequenced synth on this. I, the, the, again, the the chords here are so cinematic, and you get much more of it on harmonic distortion. Um, but yeah, th- this does seem to like really, uh, really present, you know, what I feel. Yeah, you actually just worded it perfectly about the the back end of the album. It's it really uh, things here kind of feel a little more uniform, if, if maybe that's the way to put it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm really again, as much as I love this album, this is kind of really where I get where I get sucked in for the remainder of the record. It's and and probably you know it's probably for good. But here's an example. So you know when when an album is over an hour, you can sometimes lose the plot around minute yeah. 45 right hand cannot erase with you know it, it is a favorite um has a song at the end near the end called ancestral which i think is one of the greatest things he's ever done but i often think about how we did a track by track for that album with megan uh i think it was Maybe I think it was when she was out here to see the show, uh, which we saw at the Keswick. Um, <laughs> but I was at the point then where ancestral, like you know, songs that have so much in them, you do not pick up on first listen. Ancestral took me maybe about ten listens to fully realize, oh shit, this is this is one of the craziest great things he's ever done. 
And I had not gotten to that point by the time we did the track by track. And I'm bummed about that because I would have, I would talk up that song so much more now because you need time with songs that are not conventional Carl Perkins type songs that, you know, <laughs> have the same over over. Um, I'm sorry. I just had to, just had to put that out there. You know, these things, you know, and it's not because, it, it, it's because you know things that are complex take time like you can appreciate it on first listen and then maybe x number of listens in there are other things that reveal themselves and uh but you know the reason i'm saying that is because i i didn't kind of even feel that with this record like i got uh everything kind of really laid itself out uh in a in a great way i think i think the sequencing on this record keeps whether by design or not kept the whole thing fresh upon first listen like my mind didn't wander i wasn't thinking about other things like i was able to kind of just and you know and that could just be you know what's going on at the point where you listen to it you know but um yeah what you're saying about the end of the album that's exactly how i thought how i thought about it as well it kind of really feels like it 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 hits it hits a moment and it, it goes right through to the end from this point. I'll say two things. First, I always say that the perfect length of an album is between thirty-five and forty minutes, and anything pushing that, yeah. you, you better justify your length. Stephen Wilson knows how to justify length, and yeah, you know, like I'm isolating that. <laughs> There's a drop for you. Yep. Um, oh man, and. Uh, <laughs> God damn. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Justify length of the album. And <laughs> you did, were you doing the dick length thing with your hands? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, you definitely win this episode. Uh, for for the dick for the dick and Stephen jokes, you, you win. Where was I trying to go with that? Yeah, Stephen justifies the length of an album. And uh, this is the part of the record also where I may or may not be reading too much into this, these lyrics because I'm a lyric guy and I'm always looking at them with a fine tooth comb and trying to find through lines. So be aware that I may I may be getting a little tin foil hatty the rest of this episode. Um, and also, I, I, I remember know, you doing that. You, you that to me the first time you listened to "Fuck Like a Beast" by Wasp. I remember you <laughs> dissecting the lyrics <laughs> to me. So, so I know this about you. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and the other thing I was going to say is you are, I don't know if it's intentional, but you are doing a great job of making me really want to listen to Hand Cannot Erase Again because now I'm going, fuck, I need to give that album like another shake. I don't know that it's opened up to me completely yet. <laughs> so. Oh, it's, yeah. I, I, you know, I think that, you know, the through storyline with that, which is about, uh, and I won't, I won't stick on it too long, but it's about a woman who, and it's a true story, uh, a woman who uh, passed, and nobody realized that she had died for X amount of time. There's a documentary about her as well, yeah. and the the album is is loosely based on that. And I remember listening to it with Megan. Uh, she was, uh, we were apart at the time, uh, physically apart. Yeah. She was in uh, in Chicago and we synced up and we listened to it. And I remember when the, the last lines of the album came, we were both like, holy shit. 
did. Like that, that was, that was something. And uh, I, I think kind of keeping that in mind uh, and, and knowing the story really helps. But I do think that that is one of the greatest albums of all, all time. And that's not, it's a masterpiece. No question about it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I've listened to it before, but I just, I don't think I've really let it sink in. So I think I need to go back to it and I'm going to do that now because like just the way you're talking about it is like, God, that sounds like, why haven't I fallen in love with that hard yet? So, all right. Yeah, uh, let's give it a few more listens. Yeah. So track eight, time is running out. A cigarette on a summer light Like the short-lived soul of the man inside and the noise that you hear as you ride off another year You just leaned into the rain Hold your head down, put your foot upon the rail Now you realize that God has let you down Cause time is running we have Steve here looking at the state of the world and feeling a little defeated. Um, he's talked about how he wrote a lot of this album during COVID. Um, and the line that really like, kind of like sticks in me from this one is you're spending time on the same website, taking issue and picking fights. You know, just that idea of doom scrolling really comes through in this song. Like, like it's like, he's, he's talked about, you know, he realizes he's getting older now and like, there's maybe like a little bit of a, frustration coming through here with the world that he sees and he's looking out at it but he's trying to find a way to hold on to hope because you know sometimes it just feels like you're screaming into the void um it's another highlight for me it's a really dark song but it's got like a tiny kernel of hope in it um yeah i like this one a lot and i also love the alternate version with uh mikhail from opeth taking the lead yeah that that he does a great job Singing this, I, mean, I thought that was a highlight of the uh, of the bonus disc, the harmonic distortion disc. This is uh this is up there with beautiful scarecrow for me. This is a uh, you know what? It's funny. I didn't realize uh, I had had uh, when I was listening to the album for the first time. I was listening to it on my FiO, which is a little lossless player, and I didn't realize I had it on shuffle. So this came up after inclination. And I thought that this was the second song and it didn't hit me until afterwards that um, that this was not going in order. So uh, I, I don't know if that ended up affecting my love of the song, but I think that this is, uh, you know, it, it is tied with, with Scarecrow for my favorite. I think this is great. The piano is so good. The the chord and the, the piano line is so good. Um, and, and, you know, you get just like a little bit of the kind of electronic glitchy stutter in the piano uh, that comes now and then, the do, 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 uh, which I thought was like organic. I thought maybe it was like actually part of the playing, but on um, the alternate version, that that doesn't happen. Uh, so I thought I, I thought the uh, I thought the piano on this was was really great. Um, and 
Uh, yeah, again, lyrically, I, I think, you know, it's it's another one of those songs, like you mentioned it, yeah. He, uh, the, the, the spending the time on the same websites is another kind of line that, you know, I wonder if people are going to call it out because he he's had some things like this, like he mentions Facebook and Pariah, which mm -hmm. people seem to be really upset about. Um, the word email is in feel so low on light bulb sun uh, and people see, you know, it's, it's, it's weird when uh, you have things like that, that date the song in that way, even though it's a little more general. Kind of just mentioning the word website in a song like this that's kind of you know a, a melancholy more a melancholy song uh so lyrically that that's always of interest to me to see how people will respond to things like that but but i think that this is again one one of my favorites if not the favorite on the album this is one every time it comes around i'm like oh oh yeah this is you know and i just i love that piano so much so good um, I have a question for you. Do you use the website uh, Genius? Like, do you ever go look up look at lyrics there? Um, if I look up lyrics, they're usually whatever comes up first in a Google search. Um, okay. If if there isn't if there isn't like an official website for the artist, uh, in this case, the lyrics are in the uh, in the album. So, you know, I tend not to do it. Uh, for for Stephen Walton and stuff, usually we get lyrics at least. Okay. Uh, was there a, was there a reason in particular? Yeah. So I like going to Genius sometimes because people can make annotations about what they think that it means, or if they there is something verified by the artist about what something like a line or something means, it can be verified. And I was curious gotcha, if, there, okay. if there were any like little notes, whether fan notes or verified notes from Stephen um on any of these new songs and there was a fan note on this one that i thought was kind of interesting i don't know that it means anything or if it's just a coincidence but i thought it was cool so i wanted to point out uh, on the podcast uh the start of verse three the first two lines are the future now and the poison girls take on the kick inside and the war of worlds and the annotation says in these lines stephen makes use of four references from the pop music universe those being peter hamill's the future now album the Po the English anarcho-punk band Poison Girls, Kate Bush's The Kick Inside, and Jeff Wayne's musical version of The War of Worlds. The curious thing is that all of these albums were released in 1978, with the exception of Poison Girls, whose debut will be released the following year. And I was like, huh, I wonder if that was intentional, like throwing all those references together. That's super interesting. I I don't, I have not heard that. Um, I do want to just say before I forget, so the website that I used to go for stuff like that, I don't know if it's still around, was songmeetings.com, mm. which uh, would just, you know, there'd be like a, a little message board thing on every page where you could discuss the song. Um, and most of the time it was correcting the lyrics, which you and I have had many conversations about <laughs> how these things are actually official. Yeah. Um, uh, have you ever listened to Steven's uh, podcast? I have. The, on the album years? Yeah, I have on occasion, and I, I, I there's a back whole back catalog there of stuff I haven't heard, but I have listened to a few episodes. Yeah, I mean, so I would not put it past him to do something like that. The man is an encyclopedia of music that came out in certain years, um, to the point where I wish that like I'd have kept lists for all of these. There are so many things he mentions that I'm like, oh, I need to listen to that. Yeah, uh, just based on his description, stuff I never would have given a shot to. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't put it out of the question because he, he definitely has the mind to do something like that. I just thought that was a really cool note, and I had to share it. And also speaking that, of that, that is great. Speaking of the podcast, one of the things I one of the funniest things on there for me has been when they talked about McCartney too, and <laughs> Stephen was kind of mad. <laughs> what yes yes that was fantastic it's a bit like a granddad doing craft work isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah when he uh when either of them get into uh albums that they don't quite love it's always it's always enjoyable yeah. you know Stephen just got like that right amount of spark yeah uh just classic love it yeah check it out people the album years so good with his uh, ex bandmate Tim Bonus. Uh, they were in a, a band together called No Man in the uh, early nineties. Nice. All right. So yeah, uh, time is running out. Great track. Another highlight. Uh, another like you know one that flows to the top in an album of highlights. Um, yes. Track nine. Actual brutal facts. interesting sounding the drums sound like they were recorded live and then sampled almost like live computer drum playing if that phrasing makes any sense uh lyrically steven is tearing into someone here and he's singing or almost delivering the lines in a hip-hop like fashion in a very low register i kind of wonder if his voice has been pitched down um it has been yeah he's talked about this one in interviews okay so yeah it's it's definitely like it's a surprise when you hear it at first um, and it's so cool that even at track nine on the on this you know over sixty minute album, he's still pulling out something that's just making you go, "Whoa, what is this?" So yeah. between like the kind of hip hop delivery, rhythmic delivery he's doing, and the pitch down vocals, it's a really unique song. And he's just he's going in on someone here, man. Like I I I love I love it, um, and I love that kind of droney guitar solo on here in the rumbly bass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is one before the album came out he talked about this one a bit in interviews this was his this was his favorite at the time he talks about uh, another song on the Rock solid podcast which might be his favorite uh now since then but uh it, it made me interested to pay extra attention to when this one came uh and yeah uh, i this this is maybe the most interesting song to me on the record for the reasons you described um he you know he 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 did not want the song to sound like him he said even there there were times when i believe maybe even during the playbacks where people had asked who did the vocal on this um oh wow i mean it, it kind of feels it feels a little obvious to me because he has you know he has done these things with his voice before you know even as far back as porcupine tree 
maybe not for an entire song, although you know there there could be something I'm not thinking of, but it it does add a uh, an edge to the song that you know it might not have had otherwise. You know, especially since he's not really a screamer. I think that the pitching the voice down uh, definitely gives the song. Uh, 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 I don't know. I guess an edge. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. That that you know it might not have had if not for that, and that's that's what makes it really interesting for me. I think it's executed right. Yeah, it is definitely. Yeah, it's it's the one of the most unique sounding. And again, just where did that come from? Like, it's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I I love I love the line. You got a belly full of guns. That doesn't make you special. Like that. Like, yes. there, there are just some killer lines in this one. Like God. Damn. Yeah, lyrically, it's great. It's so biting and it's great. Yeah. Just angry. All right. So, kind of bringing it all things full circle for at least this kind of like song cycle that started with the Harmony Codex. We get Staircase. Plague by poor health. Butcher. Stockpile more wealth. Congratulate yourself. An act of extortion There's too much distortion You sink in stages As you're Approaching middle ages Stephen again kind of commenting on the modern world I think but and I think he kind of unlike time is running out where he was really pessimistic but trying to be hopeful he's pushing hope a little harder here but in it's more in the face of all these negative things because you're not going to get out of here unscarred but you still you, there's a beautiful life to live it's kind of the vibe I take away from this one the guitar solo is outstanding again um, oh my god David Gilmore sheds a tear of pride. I somewhere I guarantee this is so good. Um, yes, I, I love it. And then the motherfucker managed to work the word daguerreotype into a song. <laughs> I did not expect that. Like that. That is a. I had to go look that up. So that is really cool. That is great. Yeah, I uh, when when my friend Henning had listened to the album, he said that he thought that this was the masterpiece. Yeah, it's uh, again. I, I don't know what I can say about it. His, his, you know, his as a closing song. I mean, it's so powerful, and it really, you know, it sums up the the song cycle of the last few songs. But I think it sums up the, the entire record. It's just, you know, it, and calls back to the spoken word that we heard, you know, a, a little earlier in the album, presented in a different way. Uh, it, it's it's interesting to me that the same the same kind of soliloquy against a different backdrop presents it so much, 
much differently in terms of, you know, what you take from it. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those where it was, you know, it was just like kind of when I heard Hank cannot erase, like when this was done, I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is a perfect cap to, and, a, and a great statement on the record. Like it, it just, I thought, I thought it was absolutely perfect. And like you said, the guitar solo, holy shit. I mean, you know, he, he just keeps getting better at emotive stuff like this. And I don't know how he can keep doing it, you know, without completely repeating himself, which is one of the things that that I I love about him so much. And he's not afraid to take these turns, but these turns always, you know, no matter kind of how how much he goes out there with arrangements, he still got that sort of emotive quality, you know, through the whole thing. And yeah, it's one of those like as soon as the song ended, I was like, well, this was. This was uh, this was a journey for sure, you know, and and cinematic. Obviously, as we've said many times during this episode, I, I think that you know, I think it's just it's perfect. Yeah, it really is. It's like the perfect. It's the perfect cap, like you said to the record. I think that sums up well, and it kind of leaves you at the end, like you. You're, it's almost like waking up at the end of the album. Like you kind of like you come you've come through all this darkness and anxiety at the end, and you look at it like, was it all a dream? Like, you know, everything that this record has been, it's kind of, it's really trippy when that voice comes back. It's so cool. But I, did I dream you or did you dream me? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like that, that line really stuck out to me. Yeah. So, so cool. And yeah. then you, you're sitting there and you, and you, at the end of this album, you're just like, I got to play this thing again. Like that's like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's been 60 minutes or what 61 no. or however long it is. It's yeah. perfect. And First listen, I repeated it again immediately uh, after, well, after, I don't know, taking two minutes to just be like, okay, wow, I what I just took in is fantastic. I am ready to listen to this again. And there have been, actually, I think maybe even most of the times I've listened to it, I've listened to it twice in a row. Uh, and, and the deluxe version has an instrumental version of the album, which I think is is just also great. I mean, the album is so musically great that it works that way too, you know, and it's still cinematic in its own way because the soundscapes and arrangements are so great. Um, you know, which again is just another thing that makes this album so kind of perfect, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You sent me that instrumental and I've, I've been meaning to sit down and like give that a headphone listen as well, because there is so much going on here. I'm sure there's stuff, I haven't noticed yet that I would notice listening to the instrumental version of the album. Oh yeah, sure. Um, this is something that he does with pretty much all of his deluxe editions. Now I think he did it like on the yes albums and things like that. Um, oh, wow. I know a lot of the XTC albums uh, have had an instrumental mix on there as well. Going back through his catalog, uh, many of his last, it might've started with, I, sh I probably should know this. It might have started with Raven, uh, but uh, like even the last, the Porcupine Tree album, Closure, Con Closure Continuation, also had an instrumental version of the album included. So this is something he's kind of doing with all of his records now, and I love it. I love that that's included. Um, it's something that, you know, you don't see a whole lot of. For me, coming from a time, you know, growing up, you know, uh, many, many, many years before you were born and just like having the cool thing of, of like an instrumental version on the other side of a 45 was just like, 
the thing to kind of like marvel at. It was just like yeah. an interesting way to see a, a, a song presented. And then even into like, you know, when I started to get into hip hop in the eighties, you know, that was often more often than not, the thing you would get would be an instrumental version of the track. And there, you know, I prefer not to kind of dive into them until I'm really familiar with the record because it is, it is such an interesting listen to just hear the instrumental versions. Once you know the record inside out, I actually just visited the porcupine tree one recently for the first time and the album's been out, you know, quite a long time. Uh, it's it's a, a really fun listening experience. That's awesome. Yeah, so here we sit at the end of the album. Um, I think we both had very positive reactions to it on first listen. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I I called it the magnum opus, and I do I do for as of now, like you know, we'll see where where I how I feel in a year or two, but for now I stand by that. Like I really feel like everything he's kind of worked towards, like the the electronic sound um droney uh, ambient stuff uh proggy elements you know not necessarily prog rock but prog elements uh th those harmonious vocals uh, uh little elements of jazz all of that comes to fruition here along with something new and fresh so i part of me just like feels like this is something he's been working towards like his whole whole career like it's like not that like, like he, I, he'll, he won't make another album that won't like blow my mind but man where do you go after this one this is a this is a high point yeah yeah agreed it, for me um you know i'm kind of still at the place that i was after i listened to it the first time and and i didn't i kind of verbalized it but i was i was hesitant to verbalize it uh because after <laughs> after the two initial listens i didn't know if i was really in a place to say this but i think that for me it is either just below or tied with Hank Cannot Erase. I think Hank Cannot Erase, for me, it's just, it's so, it's so emotionally powerful in a way that this album also is at, in spots. But I also look at Hank Cannot Erase as, you know, I, I think maybe the through storyline and the concept might elevate it just a little bit for me. This album, if I'm comparing, and I don't love doing that, it's it, it's either just below or tied. That's how much I love this record and did from first listen. My my thoughts haven't wavered, and I've revisited it quite quite a few times since first hearing it. I I think that you know again, like to kind of just outline. I think Hand Cannot Erase is a masterpiece to the bone. What, you know, for some reason, a lot of people didn't like To the Bone. I thought, it, you know, it, it was kind of cut from the same cloth as Hand Cannot Erase in spots. It didn't have a concept, really, which I think maybe people didn't love about it. And it also had a very ABBA-inspired pop song that I think is great that seemed to piss a lot of people off, you know, which probably informed, you know, uh, uh, the lights in terms of, yeah, uh, you know, uh, you know, in terms of just like, well, you know, uh, this is what I'm going to do now. I'm going to make an electronic pop album, uh, which, you know, uh, whatever, you know, if that's your thing or not, I, 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 I thought it was great, but you know, this, I, I think, you know, in terms of those last four, and I definitely, you know, going through his whole solo catalog, this is, this is either 
one or two for me, you know, depending on the day. If I was to listen to Hand Canada Race right now, I'd probably put Hand Canada Race at number one. It's just that kind of album for me. But when I listen to this, I'm like, it, it's it's so damn close. Like this is this is also a masterpiece. It's just a masterpiece of a different kind, um, you know. But uh, you know, and Henning agreed when I talked to him about it. He was like, I, I, you weren't wrong when you said at the very, you know, at the very least, you know, just below hand cannot erase as a as perfect. But I think he even elevated it much like you did. Uh, to like magnum opus status it, it really it's hard to listen to it and think that it's not you know it, yeah. there, there's so much about it that screams that to me and and i think i think it was successful when i look at his social media you know there will be the section of people and and i don't care there are people that will throw me into this basket and i don't care yeah. that will you know say that you know you'll love whatever he does and maybe I will, you know, I, who knows? There are some artists that just jive with you that way, you know, yeah. even if they take a turn that you might not expect or like, you know, you know, the fact that they're doing it and if they do it well in a way that you can, it helps you get into something you weren't previously into, then that's, that's a win. Uh, looking oh. at his social media, I only saw one comment that was negative so far about it, which was somebody saying they thought it was boring. I I don't I don't know how I, look tastes or tastes whatever, but anybody that's into his music I I can't I can't fathom how you would think that this is a boring album. There's so much on here that's rewarding, even if you think that like half the maybe half the songs you don't like whatever that doesn't make a boring album. A boring album is something that does not hold your attention at all. Right. Uh, and, and this is so far away from that uh, for somebody that is, you know, that has heard his music before. If you're not into his music or his sort of music, I would not expect you to be sucked in. I think you could get new fans from this record. I think it's that good. Okay. Um, I was surprised that, you know, the people that, you know, there was more than one person who, you know, you you, you have the people on social media that will never take one of your musical suggestions right there are people that just they like what they like and that's it yeah so you know over 20 years i have pushed porcupine tree and stephen wilson and there are people that would just never ever give it a chance and then pariah came out and it's been like does anybody know who this guy is and i was like yeah hey uh, <laughs> i've been talking about him for 20 years or he remixes kisses destroyer and it's like oh man this surround mix is great does anybody know who this guy is well yeah obviously i'm not on your follow list and that's fine you know but like i i can't see anybody that's into him listening to this and being like yeah i i it's boring i'm done i just don't i don't fathom how that's possible yeah i couldn't see that either and for me at least being a newer fan and still like you know kind of really like this year getting sucked in completely like I could not have asked for a better new release from him this year. I don't think like no. th this is such a such a moment in his catalog, and I'm proud to be like part of it. Like like part like I'm excited that I'm I'm here as it's coming out, as he's doing these interviews, that I could that the tour could come near me and I could go see it or travel to see it. Like I'm really happy to be part like of this album like release cycle to be a fan right now. 
because like it's exciting like it, it's it's one of those things like i was talking to Mara last last night music to me is a real form of magic and this album has that magic in it i get that undescribable feeling the hair on my arm stand stand up like i love it like when an album can invoke that excitement in me and this album really invokes that excitement in me so i am very happy with this album i right now i would probably say it's my favorite of the solo releases but like i said i'm open to like that shifting as, as time goes on i do really love to the bone as well and i love raven quite a bit um i even think uh i, I don't know that i would put future future bites at the top but i i really like that album too but this one it just feels special like i feel like i i imagine this is what it was like you know like when like an event album happened in the past like a dark side of the moon or the wall to use another comparison like it just feels important and special so i'm happy happy really happy with this album it i i cannot say enough good things about it and part of it is because he is a craftsman he is a true artist in every sense of the word like these aren't just songs he wrote and got a band to come in and play on and and then you know it becomes an album he crafts these to be listening experiences there's so much more this is going to sound like hyperbole to anybody that isn't familiar with him but oh yeah somebody that's followed his career it's a hundred percent true that all of these are crafted to be musical experiences that's why you have listening events like this you know these aren't songs that are meant for as much as some of them might have been or could be tailored to a four minute spot on radio these are crafted to be musical experiences and that's why he's so great and and a big part of that is that he goes to such great lengths to make them sound fucking incredible like these are it it is so sad that people may hear this album only on a streaming service through earbuds through a compressed stream decide maybe they like it or they don't and i'm not saying that you know you need a crazy stereo system to enjoy this album i don't even have one i have one of the most meager system for a guy that collects vinyl i i have one of the most meager systems you can have that isn't you know like a hundred dollar crossly uh you know i i i i think that you know just if you can appreciate the presentation of an album as a work of art this is the guy who does it and there aren't a whole lot of people who do it this well there are people that have done it in the past that don't do it that well anymore this is a guy who is in his prime right now and that's why this album is as great as it is and is I'm going to say it, and I'll say it many more times for whoever will listen, a goddamn masterpiece. It is fantastic. I could not be happier with this record. And those, and those, Sly Dog, are are the actual brutal facts. (laughs) Yes. And those listening... Brian Lennon be damned. (laughs) Do you know if he's heard this yet? I don't know. He, he <laughs> last he was, you know, last I heard from him, he was jerking off over the new Kylie Minogue album uh, that he just got in the mail, and I was like, uh, uh, and I, I sent him like a, tr- and he's like, oh, this sounds really good, buddy, but you know, didn't didn't order it. And it's just like, what the, what the fuck's wrong with you, you know? And Kylie and I love Kylie Minogue. Her last album oh, yeah. was great. 
It oh, took yeah. Dua Lipa, it took Dua Lipa to make one of those songs a masterpiece on her collective version. But the last Kylie album was great. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. Brian Lennon will always be an enigma. Uh, he sends me these, you know, I'm, I'm going to put them on blast. He's got this new thing. So he's got, he's got a crap closet, he calls it, which is where, you know, where CDs that he doesn't think are good, they go in this crap closet, right? So he was doing this thing like every morning where he would show me a CD from the crap closet that because it doesn't deserve to have space on his shelf with like the rest of everything else. You could get rid of these. You could give them away or sell them or throw them away or whatever. He chooses to keep them and, you know, totally with the other day he sends me uh daft pump random access memories. And I was what? like, you know, yeah, exactly. And he's like, yeah, it had one good song, but uh, yeah. I was like, okay, let me ask you a question. Do you have, and look, I'm going to bring up the name of one of the greatest voices in musical history. Okay. Let's see where I'm going with this. Okay. I said, do, do you have Freddie Mercury's Mr. Bad Guy on your shelf or in the crap closet? And he's like, oh, on the shelf, buddy. There's nothing better than. Uh, and, and at that point, I knew he was, I can't take him seriously. Mr. Bad Guy is not a good record. It is, you know, He's like, oh, it's so fun. And fun it might be, but it is not random access memories. You're going to go with like Giorgio Moroder type style music. And it was at that point that I know that I could I could never take anything he says seriously about music ever again. Thank you. Wow. And wow. those are the actual brutal facts. Those are actual brutal facts. My God. Like that album. You is... also wrote that song about him. <laughs> that album is one of my favorite. Like, if I actually had to make plans to go to a desert island and pick albums, that's an album I need. I adore that album. It might be the only album of theirs I really love, but I adore that yeah, album. Yeah, me too. But we, we both know Brian Jacobs, right? Yeah. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, to me, questionable music tastes, as you might have friends that have questionable music tastes, right? I don't oh, yes. even know how this happened, but one time I was over his house and we were, I think we were recording one of the McCartney series uh, the, in the 90s or 80s, one of those, uh, for the Pause and Sides Network. And um, he went up to, uh, you know, to tend to to the family for, for a while and I hung out in the bay and he put on random access memories on vinyl, which I'd never heard before at that point. Um and it was fantastic. It was it was also a moving listening experience. I thought it was great. And also, I was completely baffled that Brian Jacobs would enjoy something like this because usually he goes for something. And I'm not going to insult his taste. I do that enough on Pods and Sods. <laughs> Anybody who wants to hear me piss all over Brian Jacobs, I do it enough there. It's all in love most most of the time. There's some questionable stuff there, but but I was like, wow, this e this album even got to him. So when Brian Lennon started to like piss on this, I was like, well, yeah, you're you're just you're trying to rile me up with this ridiculousness. Uh, and then, you know, right. And I won't even name names, but like the artists he will praise in the next breath. It just like you can't take them serious. By the way, in a couple of weeks, he's coming over for some episodes of uh, our, our new James Bond podcast. So yeah. we do have a friendship. I don't want to make it sound like we don't have yeah. a friendship. Yeah, we love but you, Jesus Brian. Christ. Some, yeah, well, let's calm down. This the whole reason this ever came up is because Brian Lennon had Porcupine Tree in the crap closet 
because he went to see yeah he went to see the incident tour and he was so upset i didn't play anything i know well it's not my fault you didn't listen to the record that was out at that time they were touring that record they played the record in full i'm down if it was the pesh modes violator you would be wanking off all over everybody in the venue so just calm down. The incident is a great record. In fact, on the Rock Solid podcast, I go I go toe to toe with goddamn Stephen Wilson, and I tell him, "Great, I think the incident is," and we nearly get in a fist fight about it. So that's another plug for the Rock Solid podcast. I will stand up for the damn incident. Pine tree. Those are the actual. Reference. Well, to continue this endless sidebar, I have something I should tell you about. Because um, now that now that I know you're a Random X Memories fan. Uh, in November, they're going to be releasing a new version of the album that removes the drums. It's going to be Random Access Memories, the drumless version. Really? I did not know about that. Yeah, it's getting like a CD and vinyl release and everything. They put out uh, Within as a preview, and okay. it was chilling. Like, I'm, I'm really excited for this, actually. Like, it seems like an odd concept, but I am intrigued because, like, I well, love that album so much. It's the soundtrack to my college years. That's fantastic. What was the impetus behind that? I have no idea. The thing I've been hearing in the fan circles is that, and I don't know how I got into those fan circles because, like, I only love this album from them. But uh, is that? Yeah, it's the only album there is I know really. I, yeah. I wouldn't even consider myself a fan, but I think that's a fantastic record. Yeah, like, is that they owed Columbia two more releases and they broke up? Oh. So this is kind of a way to help fulfill what they owe Columbia. Yeah. So, but I, I like the idea. I think it's interesting. Like, I think it's an interesting way to look at this album. So, yeah, I will be, I am very much looking forward to that coming out. Yeah, more people should do that than like contractual obligations that suck. And and when I say suck, I mean suck because the artist was giving the album as a contractual obligation and putting no effort into it, you know, which, you know, look at anybody's wikipedia there are a ton of artists that you know did an album as a contractual obligation and you know they will say that they did not care about it and that's why they did it uh i would think that kind of like these revamped versions of albums would be a much more interesting way to fulfill a contractual obligation if the contract allows it i think that's a that's a wonderful uh you know i I would love more alternate listens to records. In fact, I started, um, I don't know, about a year ago, I started using using Moises AI. I know AI is kind of a dirty word in the musical community, but it is, so with most stuff, I've been able to get like a real clean instrumental version of an album from it if the vocals aren't too heavily treated. And I love that, you know, um, these AI programs that can pull apart tracks in a clean way. I I love is like primarily like a listening experience during work. Like Frente's Dape is one of my favorite albums of all time, maybe even top two. Uh, and the vocals are, are fairly dry on it. And I was able to get like a really killer instrumental mix of the album, which is so great to listen to during work. So, uh, so I, yeah, I love these alternate takes on records, which is why I thought Harmonic Distortion was so cool. You know, the, just that kind of thing that I, I love seeing albums presented in a new light. You know, yeah. again, there's the argument about being replaced, but they're never replacing an original. Calm down. If there's a remix of your favorite album, 
the original will always still be around. We have the internet. Things are not disappearing. You're, nobody is coming into your vinyl collection and stealing your copy of the Beatles White Album because Giles Martin decided to remix it. Just everybody calm down. It's just music. There are options. Pick the option that works for you. Let everybody enjoy what they enjoy. Amen. Those are the actual brutal facts. Thank you. Those are the actual brutal facts. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, wow. we, we we thought this was going to be a short episode. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I'm just sitting going, fuck, Laura was right. Because, like, we were talking, I was telling her I was going to do this episode. And I was like, it's only a 10-track album. We'll probably be here 90 minutes. And she just started laughing at me. 90. I told Megan, yeah, I'll probably drop you a line in about an hour. <laughs> We're not even we're not even really diving track by track. We're just we're hitting the surface. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh man, like I, I can only imagine like if I can make the trip for John Lodge work, what hanging out is gonna be like. We'll just be talking Oh Jesus Christ. We'll just be talking like shit, two days have passed. How the hell did that happen? Yep. I feel like uh, at this point I feel like I might even be responsible to pay some of your bandwidth because my episodes always end up being three times longer than we expect. <laughs> Oh man, I, I was originally going to title this episode like as a bonus thing, but like no, this is a full episode now. This this gets the <laughs> the regular release treatment. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! Ton, uh, tons of fun as always. You know, you know, I always enjoy talking to you. Absolutely, and we still have one more bullet point to hit. Oh yes, yes we do. Um, so I wanted to bring this home with uh playing live because of something I heard Stephen say in an interview. He wasn't sure that touring in the traditional sense would be what would work for this album he was kind of thinking more of doing residencies in different places because he really wants to focus on like the the audio part of the show and like having it sound like really good kind of like the listening experiences yep. were so i'm curious then what that will look like um because like when i think residency i get a little nervous because like oh fuck i have to get on a plane and travel then um but like I, I'm trying to like wonder like okay what would that look like where would it be in like in the U.S. and uh, is it just gonna focus on like I wonder like will he put all, obviously he'll put a lot of focus on the new stuff but then okay are we gonna get like a little bit of the future bites too are we gonna get some old stuff or is this really just gonna be maybe like purely focus on like this newer newer sound he's in uh, I I would think that you will get. If not all of the new album, most of it. I think that's kind of where we go these days with him. Um, it's always interesting to me to see what what else he peppers in, especially once he started peppering in Porcupine Tree songs. It was interesting to see which ones he would pick because, I mean, there's a catalog spanning hundreds of songs there. So that's always interesting to me. Uh, the one thing, I can't remember if it was the interview that you're referring to because i know what you just said but he also said if not in that interview then it was another one and i was hoping he would expand on this in the rock solid interview but we were getting towards the end i think and and we didn't go that far i think he said something about wanting to put the musicians amongst the audience so that you know everybody would kind of just be surrounded by um all of the musicians would be surrounded by kind of in the round in their own little separate places. I don't know how, you know, uh, realistically how that's possible in terms of sound and monitors and things like that. I, you know, I've known about in-ear monitors. I don't know, you know, how, how you can pull that off and have it work. But that's kind of 
what he at least mentioned in this one interview. And that would be super interesting to have them yeah. all placed around the floor. Um, logistically, who knows if they could do it, but that could also be um, the residency was also mentioned in that interview, I believe. So that might be part of, you know, kind of the thought process there, right. um, which would be super interesting. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I would love to see something like that. I mean, I, I just... I'd love to see him do anything at, at, at this point, you know, uh, Megan and I saw him several times on his last solo tour. So I'm itching to see him solo again. Yeah. Porcupine tree, porcupine tree show was, was breathtaking and everything I ever could have wanted. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here, but I'm, I'm super excited about it. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll definitely have my ear to the ground for, you know, anything that, that comes up, but I would hope that if there is, you know, I doubt Philly would be one of them, but I would hope that New York would be, you know, yeah. if there'd be a place in New York that that you could do a residency. Aside from that, I don't know how feasible it would be for me to get to one. Yeah, I, I would hope at least LA for West Coast. Um, yeah, yeah, you would definitely, pro I mean, I would, I would have to think you'd get something there. Yeah, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. It's, it's a hell of a time to be a Stephen Wilson fan, I think. It's an exciting time to be a Stephen Wilson fan, so. Yeah. Agreed. The, the future the future bites are like everything is possible i was trying to come up with a pun there and i kind of failed <laughs> all right cool well this has been a lot of fun craig thank you so much for Looking doing this as always diving into the wilson verse um i I, th I think we got one more uh stephen wilson adjacent episode in us this year yet that we'll talk about uh after we get off the bikes but uh Thanks again, Craig. Stick around. Uh, we gotta we gotta plan the next one. But till next time, good. I'm the Sly Dog, and these are the actual brutal facts.
Thank you for listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.